0: Her name is Maria Olson. She's a mom, an attorney, a podcaster, and author. Her book, 50 After 50, Reframing the Next Chapter of Your Life, was coined at a time in her life when she wanted to find her why and start a new chapter. Maria is passionate about helping other women become their best version. In this episode, we talk about how to let go of control and also allow universal wisdom to guide us in life. She shares her best tools on how to stay aligned and connected to our true self and our why. You can find Maria on her website, marialeonardolson.com. Are you ready to meet Maria? Maria. Your ideal life is one right turn away, right here and right now with me, Arika Sullivan and New Light Living. See your life in a new light. In this show, I'm bringing real-world tools to show you how to ignite the light within you and restore your balance to who you truly are. That busy, exhausted feeling isn't anyone's true purpose. Get back to the heart of your real self. Begin to live in your ideal dream day every day. Learn how to stop giving your energy away. Trust your intuition and chill out your ego and learn how to find your calm. The journey begins now. Come and step into the light. New light living with intuitive spiritual life coach Eureka Sullivan starts right now. Very welcome to today's episode, and I have such a wonderful guest with me today, Maria Olson. Welcome, Maria. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And today we're going to talk about one of Maria's favorite topics, which it's really, and she has such a a passion and talent for this, and it really is to help others to start a new chapter, reinvent themselves and to really become the best version of themselves. So let's say, are you ready, Maria, to dive into this wonderful topic today? I am ready. Great. So before we get into the meat of this session, this episode, I would love for you to tell our viewers and listeners who you are and what you do today. Okay. Well, I am an attorney.
1: I am an author, a podcaster, a radio show host, a mom, a partner. I am located in Washington, DC. And I also am a mentor and sponsor to women in recovery from addiction uh, and alcoholism. And I, my passion, as you said, is to help other women become their best version.
0: It's so beautiful. And how do you, um, how did you get into this field? Because when I hear your introduction or you, what, you, what you have, what you bring, uh, it's a variety of, of talents. Can you tell us a little bit uh, like the short story of how you got to where you are today? Yes, absolutely.
1: It was a confluence of factors that the universe put in my life the year I turned 50. And you can actually read the long version in my book, 50 After 50, Reframing the Next Chapter of Your Life, which is available on Audible, Amazon, anywhere you buy your books, even libraries. But what happened my 50th year is I got divorced. I became an empty nester. I got sober from alcoholism and I was living alone for the first time in my life. And I knew I had to change everything about my life. And I had taken 15 years off from practicing law and I had to go back to practicing law to make a living because I felt so bad about having blown up my 25 year marriage and my family that I didn't ask for any alimony. So I retook the bar exam. to, for my present state bar admission in Maryland. And um, I had been a member of a bar of another state and then uh, went back to work and it was a lot. And I didn't really know how I wanted to live the next chapter of my life. So a gift to myself for my 50th birthday was to try 50 new things to explore how I wanted to live this chapter. And those things spanned lifestyle changes, social changes, um, social activities, learning, teaching, adventure, um, travel. And um, that helped me explore the parameters of what I wanted my life to look like. I also had become an empty nester at this time So I had a lot of time on my hands. I mean, other than getting up to speed on how to practice law, using lots of digital tools that I wasn't familiar with. So I changed my life. And I wasn't intending to write a book or to do a podcast or to go become a public speaker on this topic. But so many women in particular asked me for my list because 50 is a common time for people to reevaluate their lives. And they didn't have to have been uh, getting sober, getting divorced, and starting their careers over to want to reevaluate and reinvigorate and figure out who they really are when their primary activity wasn't caregiving or keeping the family together and cooking and cleaning and driving people places. So I really felt that I hit a nerve. And when I went on my book tour, there were so many people who would come up to me in tears afterwards and want to talk to me one-on-one and say, how did you do it? How did you get so brave? Um, I had to learn that courage isn't the absence of fear, but feeling the fear, leaning into it and doing what you want to do anyway. So I really stretched my comfort zone and now I help other women do the same.
0: Mm, so beautiful. Thanks for sharing that. And that leads me to the next perspective, if you will, because this is a, a very personal journey for you. And you can also in your work today, see that how personal those journeys are for each and, and every individual that you touch. Yes. But if we take the just for a moment take the perspective up to our collective why do you think it's so relevant and and an opportune time for many of us today to start a new chapter or stepping into more of ourselves finding our why why is it so relevant now well particularly as the pandemic eases we
1: all had to practice a pause to a certain extent because simply because things weren't available, things weren't open and we were not permitted to do as much as we had been doing in our previous frenetic lives and our social circles necessarily shrank. And I think it provided, the pandemic provided a wonderful opportunity for us to reevaluate, reprioritize and become a lot more intentional about how we spend our time. So all of us have an opportunity to emerge differently and better than before. We all, uh, whether we were conscious of it or not, did some reprioritizing. We had to determine what level of risk we would undertake, who we were going to keep in touch with because it took more effort and how we wanted to spend our time. So I urge all people with whom I come into contact and who want to know how to proceed differently at this time to sit back and think about how you reprioritized Who and what is more important in your life now that we've all practiced a collective pause? And for me, I realized that I had been a lot more intentional and careful about how I spent my money than how I spent my time. Yet time is the one thing none of us can manufacture or buy or get more of, and we never know how much we're going to have. So I am very choosy about how I spend my time, what obligations I undertake, and it has made my life so much more meaningful in small and big ways. So I think whether we're conscious of this or not, all of us are proceeding differently than pre-pandemic.
0: Yeah, what a great perspective. And now from the collective, if we go, go back to your own journey for a moment here, and if you reflect upon your journey and all the things that you had to reinvent your, yourself within, what what is now in hindsight, what is one of the, the best things that have come out of, of that journey for you?
1: Well, I realized that I was doing things primarily to please other people rather than to pursue affirmatively my why and my life's passions. I even became a lawyer, not because I loved the law or wanted to be a lawyer, but because my mother wanted me to be a lawyer. Uh, She was an immigrant to the United States and in her mind becoming a doctor or a lawyer were the two best things you could hope for, for your children. And since I was fairly rudderless in my twenties, I said, okay, I'll do it. I love school. I love learning. So I went to law school and it proved to me to be a very good way for me to make a living, but it still wasn't my passion. And it took me until my fifth decade to realize what my passion was, which was helping other women, and also because I have had a fair amount of trauma in my life, helping women thrive after being sexually assaulted or sexually abused or having been uh, in the, in the midst of addictions, how you can move beyond that and how you don't have to be defined by your past. You can use your past as a force for good. And that's what I'm doing now.
0: Mm. So
1: I came from a very dark place um, in catatonic depression to a place where I speak out. And I have been on a national stage where I talked about the rape culture and trying to do things to diminish the rape culture in the United States. And women came up to me afterwards and said, how could you talk about that? How could you talk about having been raped? And I said, you know what, that doesn't define me. I used to not be able to talk about it without crying. And now I can talk about it because I know that the more I put myself out there, the more I embolden other women to say me too, and it is not going to defeat me. And I'm going to use this to support other women. Mm. And that's what I do.
0: Yes, yes. So if, if I may, because I, I wanna go a little bit deeper with this. And you had a turning point because you described there was a time where you, um, you know, had a hard time talking about this versus now when you, you like empower others by your story. So what was your inner turning point around that? Can, can you share a little bit around that for us?
1: Sure. It was a process, I have to say. It wasn't any one magic pill or encounter with a therapist or anything like that. It was, it was akin to climbing out of a deep hole of self-hatred. There were so many secrets in my life and so many um, ways in which I allowed other people and situations to make me feel less than. And I did a great deal of work in therapy and in rehab using tools like affirmations, which I at first thought were ridiculous. But I found that the more I said to myself and in front of a mirror and in front of a group of women that I trusted, I am enough. I am strong. I will learn from my mistakes. I will learn from this experience. And after 30 days of saying this, I believed it. I believed in myself, and I believed that I was giving away my power by allowing other people to dictate how I felt about myself. But I don't do that anymore. I recognize shame. And I even talk to my, my inner dialogue has changed so much that I can say, I see you, shame, but you're not welcome here. Go away. And then I can proceed with my day um, Acknowledging that I felt that mantle of shame descending on my shoulders, but that I affirmatively sent it away. And I did not, I reclaimed my power there when things like that happen. And so I think the biggest turning point was probably in rehab when I went to a rehab for women who had been sexually abused. And um, I realized that uh, my story was not the worst story and that I lived with these women for 45 days, which I realize now is such a privilege that I could take 45 days off of my life to get well. And we bore witness to each other's pain and stories and redemption and how many things that happened to us um, were life lessons and maybe could be something good ultimately and that we weren't to blame for these things. And while our society has a lot of slut-shaming that I think hinders women from rising above sexual harassment, sexual assault, it um, doesn't have to be my story. And I can break free from the bondage of self-hatred, slut-shaming, just about anything really. And now I counsel women who also have been raped or abused. And um, I have, I believe, a unique ability to empathize with women in these situations because I went through it also. I can say me too. And that makes women and many actually feel safer um, when they discuss what happened to them, to Mm -hmm. me. And even getting it out and saying it out loud and not allowing it to be a secret weighing you down can be healing.
0: Absolutely. And and I, I hear your, your power in uh, not just that inner conversation that really made the turning point for you within yourself, but also the power of unity, being able to share with others and feeling that um, love, if you will, from, from others and feeling that unity community with, um, to lift everyone up. So I, I, I love that you share um, you know, both of those aspects because sometimes it, it, we all feel alone in our journey sometimes. And, and uh, your example of tapping into both, both the inner journey, but also the unity togetherness and and out blossoms a beautiful flower, right?
1: (laughs) Yes. And I did not understand or I was not familiar with the concept of raising the vibration of the world before I started doing this spiritual work. And I believe it's really true that we can put into the universe positivity and good feeling and that it can come back to us and that we can hold, places for people who aren't ready for this work or people that we love or people who are in pain and help them simply by holding space for them yes
0: so if we go a little bit deeper with um, because I'm curious uh, in addition to affirmations you said that had a profound um, support for you at the time what are some of the uh, additional tools or recommendations that you felt made a difference for you and on your journey Mm -hmm. Uh,
1: for me i really had to learn how to let go of things i couldn't control and um part of that exercise was for me stretching my comfort zone for instance i'm i'm really afraid of heights but i did a few things um like um I call it upright bungee jumping where you jump off a cliff, but you're upright and you're in a harness and that for me was giving up control and um, I said a prayer that uh, higher power. I can't. You can. I'm going to let you now and really gave up control. It's uh, the serenity prayer of God. Give me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change the courage to change the things I can and the wisdom to know the difference. And that wisdom really eluded me for so many years, but the more I do this work and explore spirituality and practice meditation to ground myself, the more I can easily discern what I can and can't control. And so meditation, yes, is a big tool of mine. And for me, meditation takes many forms. And it can be simply a deep cleansing breath before I engage with another person or answer a question or go into a meeting or um, while I'm walking. Just connecting with my breath enables me to stay in the present and not to be future tripping or fretting about the past. So that is a tremendous tool in my toolbox of how to stay centered and to be more effective in whatever I am choosing to do at that moment. Um, uh, Cultivating an attitude of gratitude, paying attention to even very small things in my life for which I am grateful. And with my partner, we each text each other one thing that we really appreciate about the other every day. And it can be from the prosaic to the profound. It can be, I love the way, I love your smile. Your smile really brightens my day every day. Or it can be, thank you for um, holding my hand when I gave that eulogy at our friend's funeral. It really helped me feel strong and empowered. So that helps us keep focusing on what we, Appreciate and enjoy about the other because I believe, or at least for me, that which I focus on becomes magnified in my psyche, in my thoughts, in my attitude. So I want to continually be focusing on the good in my life, in my partner, in my children, in my job, everything, because I can be easily sucked into the vortex of depression if. I let my guard down if I'm not continually um, practicing tools to keep me grounded and to um, improve my spiritual condition. So that helps to stave off depression and anxiety for me.
0: Mm, yeah, thank you for sharing your practices and recommendations because it's individual for everyone. And I, you're a living example of the power of those tools. Thank Definitely. You. I feel Thank like I worked hard
1: at it, and it's not easy, and it's not a one-and-done thing. It is progress, not
0: perfection for all of us. So true, yes. So if if someone is listening and watching today, and I know there are many out there that are completely resonating with, with you and your story and what you've said so far, what would you like to uh, say to them if they are like in the beginning of this journey and want to start to taking those steps to finding their why, their next chapter, reinvent themselves. What would you say if you had someone listening and watching that is it right time to take that next step?
1: I would begin by journaling, brainstorming. What are all the things you want to do in this life with whatever time you have left? and maybe putting an asterisk by your favorite things. And they don't have to be big, they can be small. Then a list of what brings you joy. It can be really small. It can be chocolate. It can be seeing new flowers bloom. It can be helping another person. It can be a lot of things. But when I first got divorced, I couldn't think of one thing that brought me joy other than my children and I had completely lost myself. So I had to start small and then grow my practice. So write down all the things that bring you any, any modicum of joy whatsoever. Then uh, places in the world that you want to go, things you wanna do, people you wanna spend time with. Who are your people? Who is your tribe? Who are the people you wanna surround yourself with? Who makes you feel good about you? and then start spending more time with those. Um, You only really need one person, but for me it's three is the magic number. I need three people that I need to check in at least week with at least weekly and prioritize my free time by um, asking those three people if they'd like to do certain things with me. And I really wanna nurture my relationships with those three people. And I used to be all about quantity and now I'm about quality in my personal life. So start with that and um, start making a list. Lists for me are the way that I process, the way that I prioritize, the way I move forward. And uh, actually in the back of my book, 50 after 50, there are worksheets if you want to see them. Then, start doing them, start prioritizing what you want to do. And I had an organic list of 50 things I wanted to do in my 50th year. And I took I took things away and added to them as new things came across my path. So l- allow yourself to be flexible with these things that you want to do with your life. I mean, any one of us could get a bad diagnosis or be in a terrible car accident any day or have some kind of natural disaster. We just don't know. So I don't want at the end of my life to say that I, I blew it and I wasted time and I did things because other people wanted me to do them. Do things because they align with your values and your why and um, drink fully from the cup of life. Now your, your life is happening right now. So take this moment to decide how you want to live it. And don't be passive about it, seize, seize it, seize the life that you want. And um, if you want to get in touch with me so I can help you with this, feel free to, my email is on my website, which is my name, Maria Leonard Olson, or just Google 50 after 50 and you can find me, or Becoming Your Best Version is my podcast. If you wanna listen to, I primarily uh, interview people who I believe are living their lives as their best version.
0: Oh, such wisdom! You're such a bright light, Maria. And thank you for sharing how we can find you and connect with you. you you're doing such important work. So thank you for sharing your wisdom. I I want to um, before we wrap up this this episode today. I'd love to ask you a personal question. Sure. And that is. Um, you know, if you could share a little bit of a nugget of um, wisdom here to leave our listeners and and viewers with, Uh, and that question is, what do you live by?
1: What do I live by? Well, for right now, my intuition is telling me to say to your listeners, drop the rock, drop the rock of self-judgment drop the rock of the should, stop shooting all over yourself. Because that was the hardest rock for me to drop is judging myself by societal standards rather than my own standards, even figuring out what my standards were. So be gentle with yourself. This work isn't easy. And to be able to discern truly what your why is, you need to be quiet and gentle and listen to that voice inside that has been trying to come out and tell you what your why was, but that you ignored or you let all the noise around you obscure. So get quiet, put the bat down, stop self-flagellating, and um, be kind to yourself. That's That's really what my nugget is today for
0: your listeners. Thank you. So beautiful. Thank you, Maria. Thank you. Thank you. And um, I just want to say thank you for listening and viewing to New Light Living Podcast today. And we'll be soon back with another episode. Thank you, Maria. It was lovely to have you on.
1: Thank you. It was wonderful to cross paths with another person who is bringing positivity and joy into our world. Thanks.
0: Bye. (laughs) Bye bye. Thank you for listening to New Light Living with me, Erika Sullivan. When you see your life in a new light, your world looks different. Worry, fear, and the everyday go, go, go are no match for you in this bright, new light. Join me next time as I lay out the practices and tools for you to liberate your amazing self into living your ideal dream day. You can start now to take the guesswork out of getting to know yourself again and expand into your essence to feel present, alive, inspired, and connected. Keep listening, keep learning. Imagine no more wishing for your dream life. You get to start living it today. For more information, please visit newlightliving.com.